I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of At The Hive Live, part of your SB Nation network of podcasts. Chase and James are back for this week's episode with the man who needs no introduction, the fearless leader of atthehive.com, Jonathan DeLong. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I feel like I don't... I do need an introduction because like, I'm such a step down from the last two guests you guys have had. Or two of the last three. I don't. It's a it's a step <laughs> step uh to uh, to the side. No, I don't. I wouldn't say down. <laughs> Definitely a, a different discipline, but I, I'm not not a downgrade. I, I it's like that. we've we've had Cody, like professional basketball player and actual Charlotte Hornet, Cody Zeller, and then like the guy you hear on the radio every game in like the last couple episodes. It's like now this is just this guy that writes blogs. <laughs> hey, well, we we both do the the blog writing thing, so if someone has to do it. We're just, we're just slack. We're interviewing another one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Doing all, doing all the hard work. How are you doing today, James? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad that we got John on the the Godfather. Uh, as <laughs> for if, if, if any, you guys seen old school, the Will Ferrell, Vince yeah. Vaughn. Oh my God, Jason! I don't, I don't, I don't watch. I don't yeah. watch movies. <laughs> I think Jason, Jason, I think I've actually talked about this. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, off, off air. We neither of us really watch movies. So movies. Like, see, this is this is a good thing for the start of the podcast. They're just too long, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're just too long. <laughs> exactly they're too long well, you can't and- like replay review for nba games because <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not that's that's true <laughs> definitely not well i had this whole thing about the godfather from old school but now it's just wasted so i'm just gonna leave it there for the people out there who know old school <laughs> john john is got the godfather from old school so um but yeah no looking looking forward to today's show um it's been a an interesting i guess it has that you have to say it's been a good like week or so of Hornets basketball with like through like three wins, two losses this week. I know it doesn't always feel like that when you lose the Bulls and get trounced by the Bulls, but generally like two wins against Detroit, a win against Orlando. You did what you needed to get done. You did like the, the bare minimums, I guess, didn't we? It's 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 like three and two is good, and then you read off the teams the Hornets played, and it's like, ah, oh, you can only win three of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's like and every I feel like every show now, it's just a different injury to discuss. Like now it's like, oh, Miles is in health and safety protocols for the rest of the season. But we also got LaMelo back. So it's just like a, a it seems like it's been a net positive, but like it's never just solely a, like a good week in the last like basically since LaMelo got hurt, we have not had a week where it's just like, OK, we got through this one unscathed. Like it's just ev- something happens every week. But I mean, the good thing is that they don't they haven't like tanked like they, they haven't been terrible really at any point other than that bad skid they had in that like homestand against the Lakers Hawks and Cavs. but so and there is still a world it, it's a very it's a very slim world I didn't think it's very likely but there is a world where Charlotte have all their toys back for the playing tournament like it's not it's not inconceivable what it looks like at that point with like guys not playing from COVID <laughs> not playing for six weeks who knows but it's not like we know we're going into the play and slash playoffs and we're missing, you know, Gordon Hayward is confirmed out for the season. Devonta Graham's had knee surgery. Although by the time we record this podcast, there were probably one of those things will have happened, but <laughs> it, it, there's still a world where things could come back together right at the end. It, it's, it's possible in the faintest of possibilities. I did see Gordon Hayward's like got his boot off and he's been working out like pregame and stuff. So maybe, so I think he's close. And then, I don't know, I guess Miles is up to, like, I guess he tested positive, but I guess it just depends on how quickly he can register negative tests, right? 
I well, think so. good, good question, John, because I've, I've been doing some digging into this. I'm getting my book out here. Okay, I see, I see your book. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Miles uh, was reported positive on the 4th of May, right? Mm-hmm. And it was reported it'll be 10 to 14 days that he will miss. So that would land him to come back between the 14th to the 18th of May. Mm-hmm. So now, how does that fit into the end of the season? Charlotte play New York on the 15th of May and Washington on the 16th of May. So best case scenario, Miles probably comes back for that New York game if he's on like the early side of that. Worst case that he would miss both of those end of the regular season. And then you've got the play-in tournament that starts on the 18th of May and finishes on the 21st of May. And the the eighth seed, the seven and the eight seed play first in that playing tournament. So there's a world where he comes out of quarantine on the first day of the play-in and Charlotte have a game. Now, if Charlotte were to slip to the nine or 10, I think they would then play their first game on the 19th and you might have miles available there. So I, I know a lot of this podcast is going to be like, how can we cling on to eight? But <laughs> it does give us an extra 24 hours, which you wouldn't think should make a difference, but it actually might in this weird COVID season that miles could come back. So it's a, it'd be interesting. He could be unavailable for the first playing game. He could be back towards the end of the regular season. We, we don't know, but that is kind of where we're at with the state of return for Miles Bridges. And that's assuming he comes back 100% healthy and is like good yeah. to go, which is by no means a guarantee. Yeah, he's going to have to be winded, right, when he comes back. Like he'll have been sitting inside for at least 10 days, probably two weeks. Like, with I, may, maybe having coronavirus and maybe not yeah, like exactly. we don't like, know we for might, sure yeah. do we yeah no we, i don't think so i they they do that tweet or shams does with like <laughs> x number of players tested positive the, yeah the nba i think sends out a report of how many players test positive and shams just kind of breaks it as news because that's what that's what they do <laughs> yeah. um yeah and it's yeah and I, they never like i don't think they ever said miles is positive like they never can actually like technically say like miles yeah. Bridges tested positive for covid they just say he's out with safety health and safety protocols and i think everybody knows what that means i think but, yeah, yeah i think like the player has to just be like yeah i had it because yeah. uh like it's, it's like a hipaa violation yeah. right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly the the player or somebody else has to say it you know yeah but um yeah i think it's a bit, but it's like, it's hard to say with COVID because it could be like, he could actually be like really, really sick and then like not be able to move or get out of his house or he could like be totally fine for as far as he can feel and like still be able to at least work out like at home or something and at least have some of his wind. When he goes yeah, back. he has a basketball hoop in his driveway. So I mean, he's at least able to. <laughs> he does have that. I've, I've yeah. seen that from his Instagram stories. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's done a lot of uh, post-game Instagram lives with him and his friends playing basketball in his driveway. It's, it's a very entertaining thing. to. Keep oh, really? Up on. I haven't seen those. Uh, he did one. Uh, I think it was actually the last game he played in it because uh, he that what, game. I don't remember which team they played, but it was the like he had that big game. I think it was. Mm. I think it was Detroit, but I don't, I don't remember, but he yeah. went home and was just like destroying his friends on the, on his basketball hoop <laughs> in his driveway on Instagram. Not, it was awesome. Not surprising. You see, you've now got me checking Miles Bridges Instagram for clues about whether he's got COVID or not, which I can confirm <laughs> in the last 24 hours from his Insta stories, there is no evidence to suggest either way, but I am, this is going to be a, a live update now for the next seven days. Yeah, I saw gonna... <laughs> him tweet that he's going to record a quarantine EP like for uh, his rap uh, album or whatever. So he's maybe he at least feels okay enough to, to do that if he is sick. Yeah. I don't know. Speak, speaking of, does anyone remember in like the off season when Terry Rozier posted with him in the suitcase um, oh, yeah. around all like the trade? Oh, movies? yes. Oh, wow. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Everyone lost their freaking yeah, Terry, mind. Terry was <laughs> on the Clippers for like a good eight hours. <laughs> he was. He was. It was hilarious. We were like, oh my God. Instagram. Man, I like I, this. I don't, nobody should like actually ask him this because it's personal. But I wish like a media member could be like Terry. Like, why were you packing those bags that day? Like, what, what, <laughs> like what, what were you doing? Like, like where, where were you going? Why did you think? Why did you post this on Instagram and make people uh, get a rise out of people? I, I Very think funny M- though. I think NBA players have like the self awareness now uh that oh, people yeah. are going to blow up whatever they do on social media so they're all about like the cryptic tweets around the off season and like tweeting the eyeball emojis and stuff like that just because it gets people worked up just just to get people worked up because we do everybody does exactly what happened there whereas like terry is you're showing a suitcase he must be traded he's like that could the only possible solution yeah yeah he, he got traded and is already moving out of his house <laughs> yeah that's that's the only thing that could be happening here yeah, that that whole thing it was so fun. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. 
I'll, the, another thing that I, th- I was thinking about the other day is we also could live in a reality where we have Russell Westbrook on this team right now, which is also not good. Yes. Very glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> He's been actually He's been okay yeah. for the like the last couple of weeks russell westbrook like he's so interesting to me because he's so good as an individual player and he puts up these insane like inhuman my player like 2k my player stat lines and it just seems like he never actually like makes his team any better at least recently like obviously when he was on the thunder he did but like with the rockets and the wizards and stuff up until like the last couple of weeks it was like okay like you're averaging 22, 11, and 11, but your team is like the worst team in the league. Like, what are you, like, how is this happening? But he's, they've actually kind of turned it around lately, I guess. I think he, he's one of those guys. He needs someone, he, he can't do it by himself. He needs someone next to you. So if it's Houston, it was Harden. Mm-hmm. Now Washington is Beal. Cause he's just not a closer. Like, it, it's weird when you watch them like the last two minutes of games, he just makes the most bizarre, bizarre yeah. decisions. Like, um, they were playing, who were they playing the other night? They were playing Toronto, and I think he was guarding Fred Van Vliet. And he just, like, walked off him and decided to go double someone in, like, the last two minutes of the game, and they just passed it to Van Vliet, and he just, like, hit the game time three to send it to overtime. And it was like, what is he even doing there? So I, And then on offense, you know, we really turnover prone. But, I mean, I have to say, like, last month, the Wizards, I mean... I don't want to see the Wizards in the playing tournament right no. now with the way that no. Beal and Westbrook are playing. They are they're playing some very good basketball right now with injuries uh, while missing guys. So um, yeah, he's. I think he needs that infrastructure around him to help him succeed. He's not like a Luca where Luca like it, it doesn't matter what you surround Luca with. You you know you just know they're going to be like a good team. That's what it feels like. Westbrook mm-hmm. certainly isn't that. Do you know the Wizards? You guys have been on Basketball Reference, right? Where like you see the game results where it shows like the red and green bars for how much they win and lose by, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Wizards is so funny because like almost the whole season, it's a bunch of red on the bottom and they're like big red bars. Like they're getting killed. And in the last like month, they just win. They've won, they've won lost like three games in like the last month. They've been good. Yeah. They won. Yeah. Cause the, that same stretch that uh, like everybody was going crazy over the Knicks. I mean, rightfully so, because they were good for the first time in 86 years. But <laughs> the Wizards were also on like a nine game win streak at that time, too. So they're, they're the team that like in the East that like nobody's or not nobody, but less people are talking about right now. And I, too, would not want to see them in a playoff game, we, specifically because of Bradley Beal. Like I just we've think, got the uh, the nine like ten mega bowl tonight, which is Indiana oh, Washington yeah. take two, which oh, was like a crazy high scoring game the other week. So I think for that, it's hard because. I don't even know how I want to win that. Like, technically, if we want to stay in eight, we want Washington to win. But I would prefer Indiana to stay at nine because then they've got a better chance of playing Washington. And I would back us more against Indiana than I think Washington right now. Yep. Yeah, I would think so, too. Just like like in the short term, we would you'd technically – I guess Washington would pass Indiana if they win tonight. So, well, this is kind of in the past now. So if Washington beats Indiana or beat Indiana, they would have passed them in the standings. And that – even just like from a fan's perspective is like kind of uneasy seeing Washington in the review instead of Indiana. Cause Washington's been so much better these yeah. last few weeks than Indiana. Yeah, the Pacers are literally crumbling right now. Like their head coach is as fired as someone can be without being actually fired. Miles Turner's gone him. Goga Bataze and their assistant are fighting on the sideline. <laughs> the pay I would, yeah, the Pacers have suddenly emerged as the highly preferred play and matchup. How right now. good do you think Nate McMillan feels right now? Very, very, like very how good. validated. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he, because it was all about his postseason success and all that too. And they hired the guy from the Raptors, and now they're not even going to get to the postseason. So it's like he's the he gets fired after take leading his team to the playoffs. They're the four seed. I know they got beat in the first round. They got beat in the first round by the eventual Eastern Conference champions. So like, no shame there. And they fire Nate McMillan. They completely collapsed with like the exact same roster basically that they had last year. I know they had some injuries and stuff, uh, but they have all this internal strife and everything. Nate McMillan gets hired off the street in the middle of the season to coach the Hawks. It takes them from where the Pacers are now up to where they're battling for home court advantage in the playoffs. So, and do do you know who the assistant GM is in Indiana? I not off the top of my head, but I think you're going to say it. I'm going to be like, I wish I knew that. Former Hornets, Chad Buchanan, Rich Cho's understudy. Who oh, they, yeah. <laughs> who they robbed from Portland. So former former Hornet, apparently Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard are both like potentially on, on the hot seat as well a little bit. I think a lot of things have probably 
not gone right this season. But uh, yeah, Chad Buchanan could be could be looking for a new job as well. Uh, we're, we're happy with Mitch Kupchak, thank you. Um, so you find a find an opportunity elsewhere, Chad. <laughs> I am kind of surprised as happy we are as, as happy that we are as happy as we are with Mitch Kupchak. I'm shocked. I I mean I've said it before. I hated the Mitch Kupchak hire. I did too. I was like I was like lolling at the press conference he gave. Where someone's like, have you watched college basketball? He was like, yeah, yeah, I watched my son's team. And I was like, well, that's not what the question was, <laughs> Mitch. Like, and he, he kind of just sounds a bit like kind of like a granddad who's got lost in a parking lot when he talks. Like, he does. Um, but I, look, it's just what I think he's dealt with the media so long. He just does not really care anymore. And he like mm-hmm. he's so hardwired to give like dull, boring answers. Um, but hey, like I cannot argue with any of the results that he mm-hmm. has had so far and his his, it's not just him who makes scouting decisions, but the way that he's got the scouting team working in Charlotte, what, whatever it is, it's working. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, with the Terry Rosier slander, the Mitch Kupchak slander, I have got return envelopes for all of those, which, I, <laughs> which I've got ready to send. I was the same way when we hired him because it was like it, the, the candidates, I don't remember who they all were now. I just remember one was Gerson Rojas, who's with the Timberwolves now. Oh, and it was I like, didn't know that. yeah. And it was like three or four, like or like two or three, like up and comers, like hot young names, and then Mitch Kupchak, the old guy that was with the Lakers for forever. And then it was like, oh, and then it's like, of course, Michael Jordan just hires his UNC buddy, the the name recognition. And I figured we're gonna be like way behind the times and outdated, but Mitch has done a really good job. Uh, my favorite thing about his press conferences um, is that he just answers every question by explaining like what the definition of whatever word was used in the press conference like <laughs> they'll say like they're like like mitch what are you gonna do with what are you planning on doing with the third pick and he's like well we have three picks in this draft we have the third pick the, and he just like explains <laughs> what we have in the draft he doesn't give any answer and he's like but yeah. you can use your draft you can select a player with your pick you can trade your pick um you can sell your pick for cash um so yeah that's what we'll do one of those things <laughs> you, when, <laughs> when we hired much. mike dunlap Oh, the was... do you know the other reported candidate who we turned down for that? Who? I don't remember. Quinn Snyder. Oh, yeah. So we, we made totally <laughs> made the right call there. <laughs> yeah, he's not doing anything right now. No. Yeah, <laughs> There's no chance like, he's coaching one of the best teams in the NBA. <laughs> and and I definitely wanted to hire Quinn Snyder just because even at the time, and I know it's more mainstream now, but at the time everyone was like, we want to hire the guy who looks like a serial killer. Like <laughs> he looks like a guy off one of those Netflix docu- four part documentary series who goes around <laughs> yeah. and kills like 10 people. You know, that, that's what Quinn Snyder looks like. The best part is too, he looks like that, but like from the 1940s, like he was like a <laughs> 1940s serial killer. He was like, wearing, he was wearing vans on the sidelines in the bubble while he was coaching. It was that guy, that guy's vibes are like unmatched by an, <laughs> a, an NBA coach. It's, it's crazy. And then he's got the Jazz playing out of their minds. Yeah, yeah. He's just got a basketball team in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's <laughs> apparently like the best in the country. I never thought that people would be putting that sentence together. But here we no. are. No. Yep, they were right here. Right above the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. But one one good decision that Mitch Kupchak has made that I think we all will agree on was drafting LaMelo Ball at number three. I think that that was a good move, um, I'll, I'll, just to be perfectly honest. He's back Hot now, takes. though. And in the last... He's had, I, well, he, I would just say, what do you guys, how do you guys think he's like looked since he got back? Do you think it's like the same as before, like slightly better, slightly worse, or just like not entirely healthy? The last one, probably. Like okay. he looks, I think he's just as good as he was before, but he's clearly not comfortable shooting jump shots or for yes, goes. yes, yeah, definitely. Jump shot threes, especially. I think he's only made like he's made yeah, he's, he's made like three or four since he he's came back. four of 21 since coming back yeah, so yeah he's yes. shooting like 19 percent 19 point something percent which is which is not good considering he was at like 37 38 percent mm-hmm. i think before he went down it's like his three point percentage for the season now has come down to just under 36 percent um but but yeah i i i absolutely kind of same page as you john like everything apart from his jump shooting looks fine um but it just doesn't look like he really comfortable shooting the ball apart from when he's got kind of a lot of time when he's got a stable base, which was always the way, even before the injury, like when he t- took those kind of rush threes, it-, it never looked good. But when he kind of almost stepped like two, three foot behind the line and kind of took almost like a set shot, it looked way better. Yeah. It's like when he shoots the jump shots and you can see it on his free throws a little bit too. It's like, he's kind of apprehensive about like snapping his wrist into the shot. And he kind of like stopped, like as soon as he releases it, he kind of stops 
and it seems to, and he's kind of so like the ball, and that's why I feel like it's part of the problem because he's missing when he's missing right now. They're like all over the place. It's not like he's missing short and long. Like he airballed a couple threes against the the Magic and the, the Bulls, like way off to the side. So I think he's just he's just and part, part of it's probably just not is like confidence from being out, but I do think he's still kind of like not comfortable with it. I mean, you you see him like favoring it all the time when he's playing still like he's always massaging it and bending it and flexing it and everything i, th- I think the other thing as well is he's, he just wasn't able to shoot for a month yeah like he, that cast on he could not shoot he could work out you know he could keep his wind well he could work on his left he couldn't get reps in so mm-hmm. irrelevant of there maybe being any stiffness pain like with with you know with a recovering wrist it's also just the fact that you're going from not shooting in four months, literally shooting a single basketball to all of a sudden being back in like intense NBA games with elite defenses where there's a lot less weapons and more teams are able to put their best defender on the mellow because he's probably one of the biggest offensive threats. And you've now got to start making like contested shots as well. Yeah. And even with all those shooting though, he's still averaging 16, seven and six with two steals a game over those five games since he's been back. So it's not not too bad for a rookie that's coming off a six week absence in like the midst of a playoff hunt. Yeah, and he's still above forty percent from the field, even missing. I mean, he right in the last five games since he came back, he is three or zero point eight threes made on four point two threes attempted per game. So that's that's like pretty pretty dismal for and to still be above forty percent from the field doing that. I think it shows that he's like improved his finishing. I think that was the like what he worked on when he was mm-hmm. not able to shoot was just taking left hand layups, and it seems like it's worked. I'm sure that it's like people notice now because it's like oh his right hand hurts, so let's see how often he uses his left hand and like really pick it apart, like how he you know is going up for layups if he's like double clutching and going to the left to avoid finishing with his right and taking contact and all that. But I definitely think he's gotten better at it too. Like he said that one in his first game where he had like that little dipsy do layup and went like up and under the entire defense like that, that was, that was not something that you would expect from him. Like in like January or February. But I think this is, that's one of the most exciting things about Melo because straight away there, you're talking about someone who's had four weeks to practice the skill to work on his left. And he's now come into the NBA and it's just like seamlessly become part of his game. And you start projecting out, think about what this guy can do with a full summer with the training staff. Like it, whether it's been like, I want to try and add a post game for smaller guards. I want to try and add a mid range shot. And he's just got like, this is, you hear this about the, the great people. And people always said this about Joel Embiid at Kansas is that you could show Embiid something. And like a week later, he would just have it down. And like other people will be working at weeks, trying to like master this new skill, get the footwork right. And he could just pick it up and run with it. And if Melo's one of those guys where he can just like, as long as he puts his mind something, he can achieve it. I mean, we've already talked about this. The sky's the limit for the guy. It just continues to show that's the case. Yeah, he's, he, I mean, you've, you can see it, especially early on in the season, like how quickly he, he was adding things to his game, like week over week as the season was going on. Like he, how quickly he learned how to like drop the ball down real low to get hit in the arm as he was going in for drives, how much better he's gotten at like changing his pace around the basket and staying under control and all that stuff. Um, it's like, you can see him like figuring things out as he goes. And then like you guys have said, like when he misses four weeks and he comes back and he hit like what three or four, like swooping left-handed like hook shots almost against the magic that he had never, I'd never seen him do before. Yeah. And, like he, And then it's like, Oh, well, he's just going to, like by the time he's like 22, he's going to be able to do literally everything like at like perfect level. Yeah, no, exactly. Like by the time he, he as an offensive player in his prime is going to be something to behold, I think like because mm-hmm. he like he improves on everything so quickly that it's like, how could you be like, oh, this guy's only going to be a 30 mid 30s percent shooter from three for his whole career. It's like, OK, yeah, he's gotten so much better at it just in the last like two years. Not even in, not even in the NBA, like with uh, the best training staffs and shooting coaches and facilities in the world. He was doing this like while traveling the entire globe, like playing for random different teams like in Australia, Lithuania and Ohio. Like <laughs> he's been improving in terrible situations and now he's in a good one. So, like, we can only imagine, like, what's going to happen from here because, yeah, he was hurt for four weeks and got better at something. Like, how often is an NBA player hurt for four weeks and improves on a skill during that time? 
Like <laughs> that's, I feel like that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And you'd normally expect him to come back like rusty and stuff. And he was a little, it took him a couple games to like really get going, but he basically picked up right where he left off. And again, like yeah. this isn't like a, a, an experienced player, like, com- like m- um, merging into like a garbage situation or like a comfortable situation. It's like, Hey, mellow, the team's been kind of faltering and you're 19 years old and we need you to help like keep the team in the playoff hunt or like in the play, like out of the playing games. And it's just like, okay, I'll help us win all the games now. And that's, that's also most of his answers to like any interview questions. They'd be like, Melo, have you done this? 27 points. He's like, it's just basketball. <laughs> like he's, he's just like, so yeah, it's just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to win games. Yeah. And um, he's like, has it been a challenge coming back? Like, has it been a challenge? How's the risk first? He's like, yeah, it's fine. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just so like done, but you, you can actually see the impact on the team with Melo. Like even in the, the few games he's been back, Charlotte ranks fifth in the league in transition frequency. And in the month he was out, they were down to 15th. Yeah. So like just him being on the court makes this team play faster with, with the offensive talent we've currently got out there. We, we have to get out and transition to score effectively to reach 120 points or something, which you're going to need to do to win a lot of NBA games in 2021. Yeah. There were so many times when he was out where it's just like, you could tell it's like, we just need like this injection of energy from Melo right now. Cause the team would just be like lethargic almost in a sense where they were too slow getting the ball up the court. They were too slow getting into anything and they just kind of like lacked any sort of spark. And even if it was like, even with most of the team healthy, there's like, he just has that energy where even if he's not like the actual one leading the break, I think he's kind of his personality and his play style is infectious. I mean, players talk about that in the post game all the time, how infectious his personality is, how much fun he makes everything. And you can see like a difference when he's on the court, like on miles in particular, seems to play like feed off of Melo's energy so much when they're on the court together. Like he's like, he's like looking for passes. He's a lot more creative. He's a lot more energetic when Melo's out there and he's kind of picked it up obviously before COVID um, on his own, but you, especially at the beginning of the season, you could see how like having that presence out there had everybody else like ready to kind of try to play the same way. Yeah. They, they struggle creating their own shots. I think like a oh, last year, that was like the biggest problem was like, yeah, they, mm-hmm do a lot of things really well. Like they have a lot of good shooters. They have like, they move the ball. They, they, they played really slow, but it was like, it wasn't like this year where it was like, you're doing it because your best players are hurt. It's like, it was like, you're planning on doing this. So it's, it just looks more aesthetically pleasing on a nightly basis. But now, like now he's just out there and it takes so much pressure off of other people to create shots. Like, I feel like people just love playing with guys like that. It's like, as long as I'm moving around, and like looking at the ball, like I'll probably get an open shot here pretty soon. And he's just going to sling it to you. Like he's not, ne- he's never going to pass up an open shot for a teammate. Like he's always going to make that play if it's available. Th- people just love playing with that type of guy. It, especially because he can generate the offense on his own too. Like mm-hmm. he can, it, it's not like he's a great, like that's kind of the thing with Halliburton as like, because they're kind of the one-to-one comparison as rookies where like Halliburton is a great passer as well, but he can't really like, generate open looks as well on his own because he doesn't have like the creativity or the first that Melo does you can just like give Melo the ball and be like hey like take on the guy right in front of you and then you're either going to get by him and create an open look for somebody else or score like you can do that every single time and nobody else has to do anything I want to throw something out at you guys and it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting take but I want to see what your reaction is I want to see Charlotte use Melo like Yanis and what i mean is actually on defense because on the bucks team Giannis does not guard he guards like the worst player on the other team because then that just basically frees him up to like go bananas and help off his guy and get you know steals block shots like double guys and he's got such like good defensive instincts it really helps him and he already gets punished and Melo right now is so bad on ball I think like you stash him on like the defensive specialist on the other team and his instincts are so good defensively that, you know, let him kind of take those wild steel gambles that he does and seems to like do relatively well. And then you also have him in less like on ball action where he just seems to kind of get blown by on a pretty regular basis. Um, what, what are your thoughts of like trying to, trying to use Lamelo as a, as a defensive impact maker by, by kind of stashing him on the opposing team's worst player, and kind of no matter what position they play, really. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm into that too. I've, no, never, yeah. I've never vocalized this take, but I've actually been like, for like most of the season, I've been like 
waiting for Borrego to use him as a four. Like just wait for <laughs> like Lamelo to be the four, like point forward, and then have like Terry Devonte Malik. I but in I do like that concept because yes, he is not very good on ball. He gets lost on screens really badly, and he yeah. seems to sometimes kind of get mixed up with the action depending on like like what what he's supposed to do. Like again, especially in screening actions, and he does get blown by a lot. But yeah, I think if you can keep him off ball as much as possible, he can wreak havoc. I mean, like the perfect example being that inbound pass he stole against the Pistons. Yeah. Yes. Where he just this is just like, oh, I know where this is going, and just left his guy to get a steal. Like that's a lot easier to get away with if you're guarding, like, like you said, James, the worst offensive player on the other team, as opposed um, to if you're trying um, to guard somebody useful. You know he's going to do that anyway. Like, yeah, exactly. So you might as well put him on like the worst offensive player because if he like, he'll do that anyway and he'll be like freaking guarding, I don't know, like Luca and he'll just help off him and Luca will be like, oh, well, I'm just going to punish you now. Yeah. Um, like, so yeah, put him, put him on the worst guys. And, but I still think he can have a positive impact. You're not hiding the guy on defense because he sucks. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're using his defensive strengths. Yeah, you're hiding his, you're 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 mitigating his weakness and taking advantage of his strengths. And he's a much much better off ball defender than on ball defender. And I mean, we've seen that all season where it's like because he still makes these these young player mistakes where he's like where he doesn't know time and score and he like commits a bad foul with like you know he like he'll commit a foul with the other team in the bonus like on the other end of the court or something like that because he gets frustrated and he misses a shot. And you know, and defensively he'll like just go chase after like a steal. He'll try to dig in on the post when it's like a bad post player trying to post up because he thinks he can get a steal and he'll leave like Fred Van Vliet open for three to go help like on a Chris Boucher post up or something. It's like, Mello, you don't need to do that. And so, yeah, he's, yeah. De- he's definitely a gambler. So I think that I agree that putting him off ball would definitely like mitigate his weaknesses and take advantage of his strengths more so than just being like, you're the, you're the point guard, but you're six, six. So guard the other team's point guard and just like <laughs> use your length which definitely like works sometimes because he he is 66 and has a lot of length and he has good instincts as well so he could just get steals just taking advantage of like poor ball handling decisions from offensive players but having him like away from most or at least away from on ball screen actions i think is going to help like the rest of the hornets defense a lot like cuz i mean it's fine for him to be like bad at that or whatever cuz he's so skinny like I, don't, I feel like there will not be a point in his career where he's like some jacked dude that's <laughs> bowling through screens on like at no. the point of attack. So I think that that, yeah, you, you're, you guys are on onto something with this. Cause I like, if he, James is. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, I, I guess that's <laughs> James's idea. I did. I did not come up with this. Yeah. But if he's like, just not guarding the ball handler that often, like his, those instincts, like the bad side of the gambling, I feel like doesn't come up as often. Because a he's just not on someone that's as good. So when it does, when he does gamble and they make the play, it's not going to like fin- be finished as often. So that's just a good thing. That that doesn't even have that, anything to do with him. That's just luck. But then he's also just going to make those plays more often, like the ones, the one in the De- in the Detroit game. Like he he knew before the guy that was passing the ball in bounds knew <laughs> that he knew that was where that was going already. Yeah. And like that's going to happen a lot in like just regular like back and forth play if you let him because he thinks the game faster than anybody that he's on the court with at any time unless they're playing the Lakers Mavericks or Suns with Chris Paul like I don't think there's anybody in the NBA that's like thinking through things as quickly as he is like right now so I think that if he is out there with that opportunity rather than just to just like stop somebody I think that that would do wonders for him he would probably get over two steals a game like pretty easily oh yeah i think eric said it last game against the magic when he had that steal and uh went like he got that steal and dunk or layup or whatever and he's like you can see in the when we show these replays like in the background like he's already running to the spot to get the steal like before the the uh, other player even like starts to pass the ball like he just like sees he like reads the whole situation he's like oh this guy like the guy with the ball probably is gonna want to do this so i'm gonna go ahead and beat him to that it's kind of like you just said he, he has the ideas like the other opponent's ideas in his head before the opponent does. Um, he's also probably, he has a good chance to finish the season top five in the league in steals per game as a rookie. Yeah. Which is pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, Mello right now for, for point guards, he is in the uh, 98th percentile for steel, for steals, for steel percentage and the 80th percentile for block percentage and, and 93rd for defensive rebound. So like, 
you look at those stats and you're like, oh my God, this guy's a defensive monster. <laughs> it, but it's just like, you're literally picking the three, like the three things he, he's good at. And then there's like the rest of defense, which is, <laughs> which is the problem. Yeah. The, the parts that is, has like no way to show statistically, like yeah. contesting shooters and rotating on off, like road making rotations and keeping your guy in front of you and stuff like that. Yeah. Defensive stats, like just don't, like don't quantify like being a bad on ball defender that often not at all like it's like what would you use like i feel like just defensive field or field goal percentage but that is just so much more on whether or not the guy just makes the shot than you i know there was really good defense i remember seeing it one time because people it was a thing that people use like to use where they talk about like uh like the percentage of player like percentage of shots made with like close the closest defender and as like a defensive metric okay. and but but it doesn't really work because there's like so much variance from year to year to where it like basically is like okay this actually might just be random chance yeah. I, I think the best thing is probably just the 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 team's points allowed per 100 possessions That's while that I player is on the at, floor yeah. so, so like Mello, he was he was elite in all those categories but then you look at his points per allowed and he's in like the 35th percentile so he's like below average his his team has got is like gives away points at a at the 35 worst rate you know in in the league when he's on the floor so those kind of things don't translate because you normally think oh if someone's got great block steal and defensive rebound numbers then you know surely that should be higher so I, I think that's probably where I think we've shifted now to where people don't put so much pressure on like the actual individual stats of player but they more look at like the defensive rating of the team as opposed to them being on and off the court yeah that's true because that's such a large sample size now too like uh, as of Saturday, when we're recording this, he's played 1,258 minutes. So whatever like points per possession stat is on defense at that point, like that that's at least mostly reflective of like how good or bad he's been on that end. Like it's not like he's played like someone that's played 250 minutes and they're like plus 35 on defense or something. Like you'd probably need a bigger sample size. But this one definitely, I feel like it's it's fairly at least fairly indicative of how he has been so far he's also in the 11th percentile for defensive effective field goal percentage which like leads that or leads people leads people to believe that the teams are shooting really well then when he's out there because he's not like a great on-ball defender but like john said like there's just so much variance in that like uh, next year it will be interesting to see like his uh his defensive stats and like how well teams shoot while he's out there and stuff because th- that can also result from like the the missed gambles and then someone just having a wide open three or like cut to the rim or whatever for a layup. So that'll, yeah. that'll be a fun thing to track next year. I think it's one of those like things how much variance there is. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, it doesn't, it might not come back to the mellow directly. And that's why like the individual stats wouldn't work where like if mellow gets blown by and then, so his guy gets into the paint and then like biz has to help off and the guy dumps it off to the center. Um, he like, he gets an easy dunk and that doesn't show up on the mellow stats at all. It just shows that Biz, like the, the other team's center, got a dunk, which yeah. would be Biz's guy. It's like, well, it's not really his fault. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, these stats are. I think it will be interesting as as basketball like goes along as well, because the further we get into these advanced stats, like if they invent something that's um like able to quantify how good someone is like on ball. I don't even know how you would do that, but someone will figure it out eventually. I mean, they can track how fast a player is going. Uh, mm-hmm. for like their average miles per hour while they're running around so that they'll figure something out i feel like yeah people people that are smarter than me that's not it's <laughs> not my job i'm not a math guy i don't know anybody's got so much tracking stuff yeah but uh, this, yeah exactly i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hornets are currently in eighth place, and there are four regular season games left which means that in order to fall out of the play-in, they would have to lose. They would probably have to lose that game directly to the Wizards. I think they would have to go one and or not fall out of the play-in, but fall the 10th in the play-in. They cannot fall out of the play-in, thankfully. But I think I to think, fall the 10th, they'd have yeah, to go one and can. four. Technically can, depending, depending the results of Oh, good God, game. you're right. Oh, because the Bulls beat the they the Bulls waxed the Celtics last night. The Celtics are terrible. They every time they need to win to help the Hornets, they don't do it. <laughs> and then when they play the Hornets, they beat them. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's on ESPN, yeah. Yeah, that that they have they have not helped us out at all this year. Danny Ainge gave us some good players, but you got to hold keep <laughs> keep it going here, pal. So yeah, yeah what, what do you guys think about these last the last four games that we've got uh, to round out the end of the year? We we should say there is the fifth game is the New Orleans New Orleans game, but that's by the time you hear this podcast that have been played, oh, yeah, so we sure. don't know the result of that. But after that, there's the four games left, which is I think it's home at Denver, home against the Clippers, away at New York, away at Washington. Just that's a back get, to like, back to end the year too. Two on the road, games. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I the the you would like to see them take one of the two, probably like you want to go like two and two, right? And that's probably asking a lot with the that competition, especially with how good, like how, with how good the Wizards and the Knicks have been, like this is four like elite teams that you're playing to finish the season. Yeah, it, it I think it's going to be tough. I mean, I think this, the end of this looked a lot softer, I think a couple of months ago when the Washington mm-hmm. weren't as good, New York weren't as good. You thought, okay, LA and Denver might have like locked up their seed when being the kind of, the process of resting players, but everyone's everyone on that list has still got something to play for. There is no one who's who's got nothing left. And like it's it's not the last game of the season for anyone's so, again. If we can get to two wins, I think that'd be a result. I mean, I was looking back at the halfway stage of the season, John. We did a round table at the Hive article yeah. where we predict predicted the Hornets record at the end of the year. And um, I was going through being like, oh, I wonder what people predicted. And I had a like, faint memory of what I said. So Chase said that he thought the Hornets would be a little bit under 500, right? So Way to go, Chase. Which is which is right where we Crushed are right it. now. I think we are, are we one game <laughs> below 500 yeah, at the moment? Yeah, 33, 33. As of the recording, yeah. yeah. So it, it, fe- it feels like we might be kind of, you know, 34 and 38, 35 and 37, something like that. So Chase is bang on. Uh, Zach, Zach was positive. Zach was 40 and 32. All right. John, you went 37 and 35. And I said that they were going to feel exact, exactly 500. I, I just went 36, 36. So, uh, you know, but it's, it's amazing to think, Chase, like how, how, think, how things have gone so badly wrong since the middle, middle waypoint of the season. And like both mine and yours predictions are still like on the table. And if you'd have told us all the injuries that happened then, we would never have guessed that they were going to be even close to 500. So I think that the Hornets have done a decent shop of keeping the ship afloat with, with all the adversary that they've had to run through because that was us thinking like with this roster, you know, getting healthy, we were making those predictions. Um, so yeah, we, I think right in around that mark, if we could finish 500, so like go, you know, three and two over the next five games or that'd be, that'd be brilliant. But Again, I think we're probably going to finish like a game or two below 500. Yeah, it's really going to come down to we need the Pacers to kind of help us out in the Wizards uh, and just lose some more. Yeah. Because uh, everybody else, like you said, like, and then kind of ironically, the Clippers and the Nuggets are actually like competing with one another. Like they're a game apart. They, they se- they're separated by a game for the three seed. So they are kind of like the results of each game between each um is relevant to both of them like not just like denver over the hornets but they also care about the the clippers and the hornets so it's 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 a lot there's a lot going on yeah the top of the western conference is 
focused in on Charlotte on the week or the from May 11th to 13th. That, that a lot a lot could happen in the Spectrum Center for the Western Conference playoffs over those two yeah. games. That's pretty. I didn't even realize that that because mm-hmm. yeah because I, th- I mean like a month ago we we were like hey maybe Denver and the Clippers will be resting people for those games and yep. we'll be able to pick up somewhat easy easyish wins at the end of the year but that is that is not happening at all no and then yeah so and then they're on the road and they're, they're back to back and then for the 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 Knicks and the Wizards who have somehow become good basketball teams despite no one's expectations that they would. Well, so, so same. There's people they're probably saying the same thing about the Charlotte Hornets. That's true. <laughs> you yeah. know, is 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 one of those things. Um, I... Remember when everybody said the Hornets would finish like 13th or 14th in the East at the beginning of the year? Uh huh. That was like the odds make. I'm pretty sure the over under for wins was in the 20s. It was 20. It was. Yeah, it was. It was 26. Because I remember James I... hit for James like a month ago, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I got my payout literally a month ago. I like. I put as soon as I saw that, I put loads on it, and then I saw all the over under like predictions for the from like NBA people come out and they were all were like taking the under and Charlotte. And I was like, Oh, have I, have I missed something? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I think we're just like in the same ballpark as like the Washington wizard teams, like the bulls, the Orlando. I think we're right in that ballpark. And uh, you know, we, we proved to be right. To your point earlier, the Hornets were 17 and 18 at the all-star break. And then uh, if, if, if you told us like, Hey, these make your predictions for the final season. I guess I would have been the one to ask that, like make your predictions for the, the final season record, assuming that every single player on the team is going to miss more than one game between now and the end of the season. I think we'd all be like, in like the twenties. Yeah. Like yeah. Low 30s. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. If you had done that round table article being like, what is your record? Uh, also include the caveat that LaMelo is going to miss 20 games. Malik is going to miss three or four weeks and Gordon Hayward is going to miss over a month. Like I thought we all like that would have, like that would have been a, we're not going to win an article. We're going to win zero games. We're going to yeah, we're yeah, at what, yeah. 17 right now. We're going to finish with 17 wins. Yeah, exactly. Basically like that would have, that would not have been like, like nobody would have had a positive outlook on the rest of the season with that. And they've, they've done a pretty good job. And I think that like, they basically, this is basically like what they were doing last year is like playing, way better than their like talent level or like the availability of their talent level would suggest. And who, like Borrego, Devonte Grant, like they're all the same guys from last year. Like, I think we're, we're, we're a, another point being, or a way to prove the point that they're cultivating like a really good environment in Charlotte that like people like uh, the guys like to play for. It's easy to get mm-hmm. up and like create energy and play and go out and execute in this like uh, environment and for this organization, which, you know, it's not, not always easy to do that in in the NBA. It's hard to play in the NBA every night and not every team makes it easier on their players. The Hornets are doing that. I also probably don't think any of us for saw miles bridges, just suddenly turning into a superstar. No. No. Yeah. In in April, just like, Hey, you just like flip a switch. And now I'm a 20 point per game player. And like, creating offense for myself and making plays for others and i i think miles miles was the key thing in the stretch like mm, missing oh yeah. the guys he was there every night he was scoring at a good rate defending at a, a good level for the amount of usage he had distributing the ball i miles was a huge part of i think of, of us staying afloat a little bit better uh, something i want to touch on just the paces and wizards we do have the tiebreaker over both okay that's very important which is very important because it could come down at the end of the year where we finish level with those guys and, and with either of those teams. So that that's a huge thing. So when you're talking about like being, you know, a game back, they're technically like a game and a half back because we've got we've got that tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like as of Saturday, the Hornets are two up on the Wizards and one and a half up on the Pacers. Obviously, they play, they played. So that's going to be vastly different depending on the result of the, that game. But it's that that's a big that's a huge win for the hornets because like they're um there's not much time left for them to be passed outright even if they do kind of limp down the stretch so if they can just kind of steal a game or two they can keep themselves out of that 9-10 spot because it's much easier to win one game in two tries than to win two games in a row i have a thought is it better to to make the nine seed so the hornets get a home postseason game just for, just for not, not for game. yeah just for like the idea that the Hornets are hosting a playoff game at the Spectrum Center for the first time in however long, like however many years. Well, they would host a game if they, even if they're the eight, if they can win. Well, either way, they would host a game, right? Because if they lost the eight, the seven, eight game, they would host 
the winner. Oh, of the that's 10. so true. Yeah, that's a, okay. Never so no, it would not yeah, be better. No, to be no that wouldn't be better at all. No, that'd be that'd be worse, considerably worse. <laughs> I don't know who who thought of that idea. Someone someone told. Is, someone oh, it was a terrible idea. Yeah, it's yeah. a terrible idea that that person gave you. Yeah, the the producer <laughs> for this podcast that uh, we definitely have uh, put that mm-hmm. in my in my ear. Handed and, you a another note. thing, another thing uh, in the article at the halfway point of the season, Chase. It'll be interesting to see if you feel any differently now. After you saying you think they'll finish right around five hundred or just under, and you, I must say, I'm just calling out worse. Okay, Chase, because you didn't actually make a specific record prediction. You just said around five hundred or just under. So I'm just, we all went bold. We all threw out. We put it on the line. We gave a record. You just threw it like a loose, rough number, which I'm just saying. I'm just saying worse. All right. Hey, that's how that's how you protect yourself, right there. I, I was I was gonna be. I had a lot Big more edge. room to be right than than everybody else did. You had the whole um, range from 35 and 37 down to like yeah. I have been like, oh, five games. That's just under. That's that's yeah. what I meant. Like <laughs> with that, you said you said. But the better thing would actually be for Charlotte to get another lottery pick. Yes, yes. That now, I, that do you I st- have always fast forward? Do you still feel that way now? Yeah. For would sure. you would you prefer the team to be in the tenth spot right now than to be in this position that they're in? Uh, I mean, I don't think as much of like the where they are in the standings, but I do, I like, I think it'd be good for them to finish where they are now, but I do think it would ultimately be better for the long-term future of the franchise if they lost in the play in and were a lottery team. Cause if they, cause right now the pay, like they wouldn't be the, the last pick in the lottery, they'd be like 11 or 12. So like, not that it makes a huge difference, but your odds of moving up, just get higher. Like right now, the Pacers are 12 projected to select James Booknight with their lottery pick. So if they like moved up and the Hornets moved down, the Hornets would just go to 12 and, and then Washington is right there too at like right at 11. So if they fall to 10, they'd be the, they'd be the 11th pick in the draft, which like we, we've had plenty of experience picking 11th in the draft. It's worked out fairly well. I think it may, I don't think another crack at it would be that bad, but like, I, I just don't, if they're not winning in the play in and winning uh, like a game or two in the first round, like I think the lottery is just. So let's better. take the short and long term out of it. Chase, do you want the Hornets to finish 10th? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. You want you want them to go winless. It's down not. The it's not here. about. It's not about this year. It was never about this year. I can take the long term out of it. Oh, fine. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah, I still think so. I just don't think it benefits them. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. So everyone, I just want to make a, Chase. Chase is going to be cheering for these other teams down the stretch here. All right. Is. This, this is what I'm hearing right dra- now. Like, I don't because I don't think Gordon Hayward is like like if Gordon Hayward's a lock to play like every play in and playoff game or whatever, then probably, but I don't think that that's necessarily the case. And like, I don't know when miles is coming back either. I guess that could happen before or after, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. This just, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in them like doing a whole lot or like making a ton of noise. Like I, they'll, they'll do good things and they'll like play. Well, I'm sure they'd play well and like be competitive and all that. But if they get into the first round, like, like I just know that if they are the eight seed and win, win the play in or whatever, they play Philadelphia, Brooklyn in the first round and they get swept. Like Hornets fans are going to be so mad. They're going to be so they're going to be all pissed at the team and say that they didn't try hard or whatever. <laughs> and they're going to be like, this season was a failure. We got swept in the first round after playing so well. And it's like, I don't want that. Like, I just want to have a good time. Like this was a fun season. This was really awesome. We have a really good rookie. We're probably going to be a top five team in the East next year. Like just, Let's just let it happen. Who cares? A million people got injured. That's nobody's fault. Like, this is just how it goes. This is what happens when you try to cram a 72 game season into six months during a pandemic. But <laughs> that's not that's not any of our any of the players or the team's fault. Like that that's the NBA's fault. So we just we're just dealing with the cards that we were dealt. You just want to have a good time and watch the Hornets lose. I, I get that's it. I, I don't care if they win or lose. I, if they win, that's fine with me. I don't. If I'm not, I don't like. Ah, what am I listening to here, Chase? This is at at the Hive Live for the fans, and you are literally out here sprouting that you don't care if the Hornets win or not. No, no, I've never, I've never cared for the last two seasons. I don't, I haven't cared. Like they got, they have a, they have a number three. I don't, I just don't, I don't ride on. I I understand, I understand. Like your brain can think that, but like for me, once you get into it to this point. And because I don't work for the team, like if, if I work for the team, I'd maybe separate my heart. But now we're here. 
on the precipice of the eighth seed, which by the way, I find it hilarious that the one year that Charlotte might finish in the eighth seed, there's now a playing tournament and we could <laughs> yeah, lose yeah. and we yeah. could drop down into the lottery, which is just be like, if we'd have had the play-in for like the last five years, we might've made the playoffs. But the first year, the first year that they introduced it, we actually finished eighth. It's just the most Hornets thing there's ever been. That's um, such a good point. Not to interrupt, but like, when we get with the last what three years that Kimba was here, we finished ninth yep. and on like on a tear going into this season, like to the end of the season, where it's like, man, if they could just like have a chance, they could totally beat these teams in seven or eight seed right now. They just didn't have enough time to catch them, and then yep. they they're like, oh, well, now we've implemented this new rule that would totally help teams like that, and now the Hornets <laughs> are on the other end of their faltering down the stretch, yep, and fall in there, but they're still holding on to the eight seed. But now they might get knocked out by teams that are catching fire at the end of the year, like the Wizards. Charlotte basketball, ladies yep. and gentlemen. That's just that, that's what we've come to expect. The luckiest city on earth. You know, <laughs> just all the sports. It, it, it transcends sports. It's just the city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do we got? We got anything else? I mean, I think now that uh, now that I've buried them for the rest of the year, I can't speak to you anymore, Chase. For another <laughs> uh, week. Yeah. This is this is the I'll, end of at the hive live. I we mean, will, we, we will not. The not fact be that there's like that episode. not fan part of you that has taken over, and you're oh, like, I, screw it. I'm all in. Like, let's go eighth seed. I'm disappointed. I have a fan. I am a New York Giants fan. I think that's <laughs> why I don't do that. They have damaged my soul. I <laughs> like. I do not care if they win or lose because it's assumed that they're going to lose like every time. So like, I'm prepared for disappointment. Anything other than that, like even a loss where they play well, that's good. I'll take that. And I think that that has just transferred over to like the Hornets and every other sport. You now. become numb to it. I get it. Yeah, like, no, it's you, they, you they numb broke, yourself to protect yourself. Me. How do you think <laughs> I feel as a lifelong Charlotte sports fan as someone who's born and raised in just the city of Charlotte? Yeah, no, with, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, with yeah. the Hornets and the Bobcats and the Panthers and everything. Yeah, it's, they, it's, they it's, it's, it's tough. They, they, yeah, but you guys, yeah, I think you're right though. I probably <laughs> should care Super like Bowl. a little more. <laughs> that's true. See, that's the, I, yeah, that's a good point. I, that, I thought about that like somewhat recently where it's like the Giants have won two Super Bowls in my lifetime. If they never win again, or if no team that I like wins a championship ever again, I'm probably like on the, the luckier side of, of, the, of that. Like, yeah scenario so yes. i'll take it i mean but and you, like you've said this you've said this before chase that this is the last fun year and that f- yeah. from next year mm. like shit hits the fan right there's pressure there's yeah. expectation you just said there that you're probably going to be a top five seed in the east next year i don't i don't i think that's hard like to say you probably should be be top five next year i i think that could be tough but if i feel like next year your attitude might shift a little bit. Next year, you are going to be like, oh, we need to be winning these games. Oh, yeah. Is, is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to maximize the amount of time that you have LaMelo Ball on a rookie contract. And if you're like, that, that is that is a four-year period. One of those is over. You know what I mean? Mm. Like yeah, three years. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, like, like I'm not uh, going to be, like, uh, like, killing them if they are, like, just as good as they are now next year or something. I'll be, like, disappointed i would say like i but i won't uh be like mad or anything i don't know i just don't get mad at, at worse that. to be dis- disappointed than mad somewhere. yeah like i just i just i like i like Lamelo. i like miles i like terry i like Devonte. they're all i like malik they're all Jalen mcdaniels they're all really good guys like I'm, I'm probably not gonna get angry when they lose so i don't know that's i'm just i don't know i've just i'm tra- I've transcended <laughs> winning and losing and have have uh i'm on the path of, of kaizen which is just process over results show improvement day to day and eventually the results will will come to fruition i like to think i'm like that then we get get close and i'm just like win (laughs) i know it's the same way with me it's like oh they're doing so well and they can't win it and i and i always try to like talk people off the ledge like they they're gonna they're gonna lose some games they shouldn't and then like meanwhile i'm over here like turning the game off in my living room like god they're so bad i don't want to watch this anymore (laughs) that's me that's me that's got to be in there somewhere, though. That that's what keeps you around. That's what keeps yeah. you watching. Is the the fire and the, and the passion. But <laughs> yeah, which you have none of. <laughs> no, no, I I completely the fire agree. is burned no, I out. Completely agree. Chase. Yeah, I have no no fire. Not nothing. Nothing like that. I just like like watching my my good pals on the Charlotte Hornets go out and have some fun. <laughs> that's that's what that's what I'm about right now. Yeah, ne- next buddies. year. Yeah, ne- that's what I think. And also, I've been I've been meaning to do this. Uh, the only like, or not the only, but one of the the most the only most like prominent Hornets Twitter members that has been on like 
a similar uh, like wavelength as I am is is not Edwards. He's doing basically been saying the same thing is like this year is fun. Next year they should like actually win some games. So let's just let this play out, however it may, and then worry about next year or winning and losing next year when that's like more of a like a uh, apparent readily apparent need. Yeah, like an ex- will, Yeah, that's the word. There we go. I will say, no matter what happens from this point onwards this year, I'll be disappointed. But no, even if we lost every game from here on out, right? Finished tenth, lost in the play-in, whatever. I would not say the season is a failure. I would not say that the team had stopped trying. I just, you know, a lot of things have happened and gone wrong and from injury point of view from the last few months. Like for me, everything after this point is a bonus. And that's why I'm enjoying it so much because it's all like, this is like, I'm not used to having to care about stuff at this time of year. And the fact that we can, it, it's just, I just view this, the rest of this year as a bonus. Even if we lose, like even if it's ugly, like the fact that these guys have got that experience is a feel good factor. I think, I think that's a positive thing. It, it's, it's normally this time of year. It's like, we're, we're kind of having the conversation you just had with chase. It's like, Hey, we're like the 10 seed right now. Should we be winning for momentum quote unquote, or yeah. should we be like hoping to lose all our games so we can pick seventh instead of 12th. And now it's like the Hornets have kind of put us in this position. Where we're like, Hey guys, now you're good. We want to see you like keep being good, but like worst case scenario like you said we still got like miles bridges looks like he actually could be have some sort of like star or like high end like role player potential as opposed to just being like a bench guy pj washington has shown he had a 40 point game earlier this year and like these last few couple weeks he's been really playing with a lot of confidence and he looks like he could be a 20 point per game player in the right situation uh lamella ball is obviously okay um and we got all these like pieces i don't think like these young guys are all better than I think we thought they would be at this point. Right. Like Jalen McDaniels yeah. and miles bridges, PJ Washington, Devonte Graham. And so it, to me, it's like, there's, there's a lot to be excited about going forward. Even if this season kind of peters out with all of the, uh, the misfortune that has befallen the Hornets these last few weeks. I actually just looked this up. Like right after you said PJ's name over the last 12 games, he's shooting 52% from three on 6.8 attempts. That dude is, shooting lasers right now he, he can Up, shoot all above the break too they're like right at the top of the key he just buries it yeah he's got the he's the new bouncy three guy yeah i like it he's been playing really well lately it's very very he just he just can't score at the rim at all no he's in, no, the, <laughs> no. He's in the seventh percentile for finishing at the rim 55 percent at the rim for like a, a power forward slash center like that that's just Bad. the issue right now the only, like, the if, only guy worse than him is andre drummond i think which is if he could go like league bad. average like you know 60 percent or so or 58 percent like that's that's fine you know because the three ball three ball is smooth and he's shooting with such confidence and such bounce uh but yeah it's just it's just the rim numbers that's the big issue with him he's averaging 21 points a game over his last eight yeah he's been good he's averaging he's averaging 20 over the last um what is that 12 no 11 games but that's with a two-point game in the middle there where i think he left the game early with like and, a, he, and he's got the energy from from having a son He's yeah, got, that, he, he had he got the boosts. The, got, new, the new child yeah, boost. Yeah, congratulations. I know PJ is listening to this. He's an avid <laughs> at the Hive Live listener. So congrats, PJ. That, that that's awesome. And also, I will I will note the number of people that were complaining or upset at him on the internet for not playing on the day that his son was born was not zero, and it should have been zero. It should have really? been zero. It should have been zero. Uh, there there were multiple people on multiple different platforms that were like, oh, he's got to get out there. He, he he's it's the games tonight this is an important part of the season it's like yeah he also had a son uh that, his son will be with him for his life the rest of his life pj plays for the hornets for uh 12 to 15 years at the absolute peak so yeah hey, you need to whoever you saw that you need to unfollow them on twitter so i don't see that's the thing is i don't think i even follow them i think it was one of those like the algorithm is like this person liked or read whatever like it just pops up on your on your feed and uh yeah that's that's not good i thought we learned when gordon hayward missed the birth of his son just to lose to the heat in the playoffs that <laughs> you know you should go to these important family moments uh instead of playing one basketball game but apparently not just imagine just being like hey what are you doing uh witnessing the birth of your first child and spending the first few moments of your child's life with them. You've got to go to work, man. Yeah. Like imagine if JP Morgan chase called you and was like, <laughs> Hey, Hey, we actually, we need you today, today at the office. Uh, I know your son is being born, but yeah, you're going to have to leave and come back 
and yeah. uh, you know do some do make you, some. Do you think calls. he can be born on your lunch break and you can make yeah. it back at the end of the yeah. day? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's unfathomable. But you know, people yeah, people just do the those types of things, and that's people be that's like the that. world. Yeah, they really do be like that sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, anything you guys want to want to throw out there before we wrap it up? Uh, no, thanks for having me on. Yes, thank That's you for yeah. Hey, any anytime uh, this is your podcast, man. Anytime it is not. You're... It is your podcast, you guys. Hey, you you're the uh, you're the overseer. Then the, uh, the my contributions to this podcast are: Hey, we want to do this podcast. Can we do it? And I say, yeah. And that was the end of my contributions to the podcast. <laughs> hey, valuable contribution. All all <laughs> of it is is equally uh, necessary to the process here. So yeah, yes. Thank you for coming on, man. It was a very oh, yeah. very fun episode. No problem. Yeah. So. I think that'll that James, you got anything before we head out? No, I'm good. All right, yeah. Free on next week. Yes, that'll about wrap it up. The next time we talk to you guys will be after not after the season ends, but pretty close. So yeah. Thank (laughs) you for listening to At the Hive Live. And we will see you guys next week. See you.